0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast, created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And welcome to the Radioactive
1: Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network.
0: Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. Produced at my home on unceded Wurundjeri lands for 3CR in Naam, Melbourne, I pay my respects to Wurundjeri elders, past and present, and welcome all First Nations people listening today. This show is brought to you with the support of the Ace Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. My name is AC, and on today's show, we are privileged to have Anangu Spinifex woman, Debbie Carmody sharing the second part of the story of her people's displacement after the nuclear weapons testing at Maralinga in South Australia. Debbie is also a traditional owner of Molga Rock, east of Kalgoorlie, which is currently under threat from a uranium mine proposed by mining company Vimy Resources. This recording is one of two taken from the Yellow Cake Country webinar, Maralinga to Molga Rock, recorded in November 2020. The first part of the story was broadcast on our last rad show, and it is available with the podcasts on 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. I'll start this show with an introduction from the first part of that show so that Debbie and the host, K.A. Garlic can introduce themselves.
1: Um, firstly, I'd like to acknowledge that where I'm hosting from is on the country and in Kalgoorlie here, and I pay my respects to the elders. Past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never, never ceded. My name's K.A. Garlick, um, for those that don't know um, me, and I'm hosting as the Nuclear Free Campaigner from the Conservation Council of Western Australia. This is our fifth and final um, Yellow, C- Yellow Cake Country webinar. Um, And it's with great pleasure that this one I'm able to host here in Kalgoorlie and also with Anungul, Spinifex and Western Nullarbor woman, Debbie Carmody, here at the Joomupulka Aboriginal Radio Station. Yes, hello. Um, My First Nations name is Nindiri and
2: my English name, of course, is Debbie. I am um, Anungul and Spinifex and Western Nullarbor traditional owner. Um, I'm also a traditional owner of um, Bilgi, which sits just below Dunchunjara and goes to the um, Trans-Australian Railway Line. And both my families, all my families have suffered from nuclear fallout from the atomic tests that were held at Maralinga, land that sits within um, our overall you know, traditional homelands. And it was in the 1950s, at the height of the Cold War, that the British government began to explode a series of atomic tests in the empty Australian desert containing nothing but a few spinifex bushes, red dirt and the howl of dingoes. A number of minor trials, assessment tests and experimental programs were held at the range until 1963. Atomic bombs that were exploded in a forgotten land far away from Western civilization. This land, as we know, was not terra nullius, but home to another civilization, one who had lived in the desert for over 65,000 years. And, um, you know, I don't know, people may not know who the Anangal, Spinifex, Bilky and Western Nullarbor people are, um, where our lands are. So our lands basically sit um, above the Great Australian Bight. We are desert people. Spinifex people live at Tuntuntjata in the Great Victorian Desert. Unnaw people at Oak Valley. And our pulky lands, as I said before, sit just under Tuntuntjata. And, of course, um, our Western Nullarbor people, which includes Karoni, Kunana, Kundalini, which is just east of Kalgoorlie. Um, and then from Kundalini, we would travel north to the area surrounding Mulga Rocks and the beautiful sand dunes nearby, which is women's country, where my father as a child would travel with his mother and other women to this special site of significance because the sands there are healing sands. It's also part of the Seven Sisters story, It is a sacred place and we use the sands there to massage and heal, especially after childbirth. My dad remembers playing in the sand dunes and walking nearby where there was a forest of grass trees and it was quite spectacular, um, those grass trees. In the 1970s, the Spinifex people told the government they wanted to move back into homelands, but the government didn't listen to them. Instead, the government built another community, Kunana. A small group of people went to live there, but the majority of my people, the Spinifex people, voted with their feet. It was a huge exodus, a movement of the people. We got up, we stood up, and walked from Kundalini to Yakadanya. It took six days to walk, about uh, 25 kilometres a day. And Yakadanya was regarded as a temporary uh, set down and it was just a stepping stone back into Spinifex country. But they um, put a bore down and people lived there for about four years. Yakadanya is situated um, in the northern Nullarbor and it's quite a harsh country, but they, there was a good supply of water there. The government agencies um, thought the whole intention for Yakadanya was a place where the old people could go and sit down and, and use the place as a base to travel north into Spinifex country. But the people thought otherwise. This was just their first step moving back proper to country to live. The Spinifex people received compensation from a government royal commission into the atomic tests at Maralinga. And they brought machinery, hired contractors and pushed the road from Yakadanya through to Tundungtara. And because of um, cultural reasons, a senior elder walked in front um, to map out the route so as not to disturb uh, sites of significance. And at the same time, he, um, the road had to be close to um, waterholes and he chose the best route through Sandhills. And so he walked along, behind him came a bulldozer, then a loader and a grader, and then the Spitifex people. And that is how we walked. We returned back into country. Um, My brother, he was a child. When uh, we walked back into country, he was walking behind uh, the senior elder who was putting the markers down for the bulldozer to see what route he could bulldoze. And my brother remembers picking up the markers and playing with them as he walked behind the senior elder. And the bulldozer driver didn't know which way to bulldoze. Um, And my brother remembers the senior elder growling him as he had to walk back and retrace his steps for the machinery. Much later, we looked at satellite images of the land that we had graded through just to check out the, um, the geology of the land. And it actually turned out that the senior elder had picked the best route to put the road in. So it truly was an amazing achievement. Once my people got to Dundundjara, the community put down a ball for their water and from there the community developed. Yes, the Spinifex people had returned to their homelands in the 1980s. In doing so, they found the southern part of their country converted into a nature reserve The northern third leased to uh, First Nation peoples living in the north and the centre vacant crown land, meaning it belonged to the Queen of England. And so they were upset. They had never seen the Queen of England cleaning out rock holes in their country. Regardless, the Spinifex people, they got to work. They built a community store, medical centre, school, workshops, you know, mechanic. Mechanical Workshop and and Women's Centre. And then once they did that, the old people then began to take the younger people out bush and so began an education program to educate young ones about the land, um, our customs, our law, our Thukulba. And to cut a long story short, in 1994, the Spinifex people employed an anthropologist to um, assist them in their native title claim to the High Court of Australia So there was a lot of field work, um, looking at rock holes, telling the anthropologists um, the names of the rock holes, the creation stories connected to the rock holes, telling um, the anthropologists about the um, the song lines and how they connect to country and to um, people. So, and, you know, our travel routes and that, And so that all had to be recorded and then we also recorded, um, um, you know, the song lines and that and we began painting our country and we've produced um, lots of beautiful works that have been exhibited internationally. We used art um, to, yeah, to name and record and register every bit of country And the art was also used um, as part of our native title claim. And on the 28th of November 2000, my people, the Spinifex people, the forgotten people were acknowledged by the High Court of Australia as the traditional owners of the land and therefore had native title rights over their lands, which covers 55,000 square kilometres of land east of Kalgoorlie in the Great Victorian Desert. So, my people survived the atomic tests, even though thousands of people died as a re, uh, result of radiation poisoning. The native title determination has given the community a strong framework in which we have planned, um, you know, we plan and for economic independence based on the fact that we have exclusive possession to the land. In 2004, the uh, Spinifex people um, opened up the Lilkulka roadhouse and art gallery. Tourists are driving through there all the time to see this unique part of the country which is owned and controlled by Spinifex. Um, Tourists get to experience Spinifex hospitality. They learn about our history, our culture and they learn that our story of survival highlights the strength of culture.
0: That was Debbie Carmody, an Ungu Spinifex woman speaking there about the thriving community at Junjunjara. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR at my home in Nga, Melbourne. In the next part of the show, Debbie Carbody talks about Vimy Resources and the threat of uranium mining at Mulga Rock.
2: But now, another serious issue is looming for us. Uranium miner Vimy Resources Limited were given exploration approval to look for uranium deposits near Mulga Rock um, in that land. And now I'm speaking as a Western Nullarbor um, person. Um, there's, it's just amazing. There's, um, it's home to some special, very, very special desert animals, such as the mountain devil, the pygmy possum, the night parrot, the rainbow bee eater, the southern marsupial mole, and um, quite a fascinating creature, the um, southern marsupial mole and uh, the goanna. Did you know that the southern marsupial mole eats goannas? (laughs) Isn't that interesting? So that's just to name a few. And um, there are underground water supplies, and as we know, um, that uranium miners use lots and lots of uh, water, If our water is used, we are concerned that the animals and plants will suffer. For example, in land not far away, um, beautiful grass trees grow and these plants are so unique and we do not want to see them disappear. They're just amazing. And the land where Vimy want to mine is land covered in golden sand dunes that Reflects light beautifully in the early morning and the late afternoon. In my culture, it is women's land. No men were allowed to come onto our land because we did our own special thing there, women's business. The Seven Sisters song line passes through there. The land is special because the golden-coloured sands heal illnesses. The land is um, the sand. It's extremely soft and is a different colour to the strong orange desert sands. When you see this land of peacefulness just washes over you. My Gabali, my grandmother, would take my dad there when he was a child. Dad and other children played in the soft dunes while their mothers would, they would actually bury themselves in the sand and let the heat of the sand heal aches and pains. They would use the sand to massage their bodies The minerals in the sand would assist in healing ailments. We are the Western Nullarbor people. Currently, Vimy is playing one group of people against another group of people in the Western Nullarbor native title claim. As we know, mining companies have had, um, you know, long questionable reputations for um, social irresponsibility, um, especially towards um, traditional owners of the land. And in recent years, they have come under increased pressure and greater public scrutiny in relation to um, how they deal with First Nations people, and many have responded by developing global corporate social responsibility uh, strategies where a prominent place is given to their relationship with First Nations people. But Vimy is not acting within their corporate social responsibilities. They are using um, divide and conquer tactics by not talking with the appropriate people in the first place. But it will not work because our law, our women's law, is stronger than Vimy. Their mind will never get up. But what we need to do is to strongly place Vimy under greater public scrutiny in order to point out their questionable behaviour towards Western Nullarbor people and the fact that they do not want to deal with Western Nullarbor people who hold cultural, political, religious and social responsibility to land that is strongly women's land They are mainly talking to men, and while they um, may include some women, but those people, um, though Western Nullarbor people, um, but they do not have a social and spiritual connection to the land because if they did, they would have told Vivi in the first place that the land in which they want to mine is women's land, is sacred land, is a healing land the people that Vimy spoke to said nothing is here. And this is absolutely outrageous and Vimy are currently still going along uh, with those people by saying that certain Western Nullarbor people are not Western Nullarbor people, which is um, really quite arrogant um, of them. So I was kind of thinking it would be good if we could start a social media campaign advising the world about Vimy and their corporate irresponsibility and questionable ways of working with First Nations uh, peoples who actually hold the special knowledge for the area in which they want to mine. Vimy's corporate contacts and partnerships need to know that Vimy's corporate social responsibilities go totally against ethical ways of working. And in this day and age, this is totally unacceptable. Our elders out at Chunchunchara, Trevor Jamison and I were working on a play for the Adelaide Festival a few years back and our elders there told us, me and Trevor, that because we are living in the white world and have the white education and that, they put the responsibility upon us to let the white people know, the wider world know um, what our situation is. So, you know, I take that um, responsibility quite seriously and and so we need to let everyone know how Vimy is um, not, not talking to the correct people and trying to cause divisions within our group
0: that was Debbie Carmody, Anungu Spinifex woman, speaking about the wannabe uranium mining company Vimy Resources, trying to divide community while ignoring the proper people who can speak for country at Mulga Rock. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR and distributed across the stolen continent on the Community Radio Network. Next, the host of the webinar and Conservation Council WA nuclear-free campaigner K.A. Garlic continues the discussion of Vimy Resources' attempt to mine at Mogul Rock, explaining where the project is up to.
1: So Vimy Resources have, and then Nelly, have all of their secondary state approvals. um, And following this, they will need federal licences and then most significantly, they will need investors. Um, But we're really concerned. We're concerned about what Debbie's just spoken about, the culture and and the environment um, but also that it's an uneconomic uranium mine. It's pushing ahead with um, the the Mogul Rock mine despite a sustained low uranium price. I think at the moment it's thirty US dollars per pound, um, and I, they need to sit around I think seventy-five to eighty dollars US dollars a pound. Vimy State Environmental Approval has a condition that requires them to substantially commence mining by 16th of December 2021 and if they fail to make that date they won't have a valid environmental approval just like we've seen at Kintyre. At the moment there's, um, there's no valid environmental approval at Kintyre. So they're racing against time but so are we. We are also pushing on and contesting and challenging at every level that we can from Freedom of information um, reports that we're getting into actions at the AGM, but we are where we're going to stop that from happening. You know, even though the, these environmental uh, or these projects expire, um, there's still a lot of damage done through the exploration, and so that's Thank what you. and Maru um, uh, people are working on is to get those those. Um, particularly Kintyre is an example of that their environmental state approval has expired now, um, working with the government to say, well, these mines now need to be, or these exploration mines need to be rehabilitated because they yeah. are a, a mine. They do still do the, the damage um, to the country. So, um, yeah, there has been a lot already been done out at um, Mulga, Mulga Rock. And just... Um, I was going to just let you know about sort of the details of Mulga Rock, um, just to um, so people are, are sort of aware of the project's proposal. Is that they're planning um, to clear three thousand seven hundred nine hectares of native vegetation, placing replacing that with fourteen waste rock piles and nine open open pits. Um, So this mine um, and processing facility would take up to 15 million litres of groundwater a day um, and leave behind 32 million tonnes of radioactive mine tailings. So they're just some of the little small sort of statistics of what we're looking at if this project goes ahead. Um, sounds small but huge impact um, if this goes ahead and and destruction of... um, Debbie's country, but also other people that have been fighting to stop this um, mine for a long time. Um, you know, and that's why, you know, these sharing these stories are so important um, because they will have very long lasting and devastating effects, not just to the culture of the people, but also to the environment and where it's transported across. Um, the country but also ending up in what someone I think it might have been Peter said you know the, letting the genie out of the bottle starts with uranium mining yet that mine if we let it go if it goes ahead could end up in nuclear power plants causing waste that um, in other countries um, yeah. and also nuclear weapons as well so that's why we want to stop it here it's it's dangerous here um, but it's also dangerous once it leaves here this industry is so toxic. Um, and so stopping it from the source is not only supporting local and traditional owners, but it's also um, creating a nuclear-free future that we think is possible with renewables.
0: You're listening to The Radioactive Show, and that was Conservation Council of WA's nuclear-free campaigner, K.A. Garlick talking about how leaving uranium in the ground at Mulga Rock and WA is part of creating a nuclear-free and renewable future. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR at my home in Narm, Melbourne, and broadcast across these stolen lands known as Australia through the Community Radio Network. I'd like to thank Debbie for sharing this powerful story that shows the courage and strength of her people to overcome nuclear bombings to rebuild community and maintain culture on country. Also thanks to K.A. for sharing her knowledge on the Mulga Rock project and all her work challenging the uranium industry in Western Australia. That's it for today. You'll find the Radioactive Show podcast online at 3cr.org.au radioactive and you can get in touch by calling the 3CR office on 03 9419 8377. We'll go out on a song from Jesse Lloyd's Songs of the Mission Project. Hopkins River, performed by Archie Roach. Thanks for listening, and here's to a nuclear-free future.
3: There's a rainbow on the dear old Hopkins River There's a haze Across that western district moon Someone's waiting Near the dear old Hopkins River And I promise to come back To Pernem soon When dawn no comes breaking through This lonesome buckaroo will be walking Down on Newman's Avenue There's a rainbow On the dear old Hopkins River And I promise to come back To Pernambu soon when dawn comes breaking through this lonesome buckaroo, we'll be walking down on Newman's Avenue. There's a rainbow on the dear old Hopkins River, and I promise. To come back to Pernom soon. Yeah, I promise to come back to Pernom soon.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.